Kia ora and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we're talking about the International Tourism Recovery Plan. Welcome back, Chambers. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be back. Kia ora. And, and Happy New Year. We missed you last week with Jezza. I know. What a great show that was too. Well done, you two. And um, yeah, I was very disappointed to miss that one. But hey, I had paying customers. What could I do? Hey, look, all those Kiwis that are out there traveling around the country at the moment for school holidays are having a great time by the looks of things. And yeah, it's great that you guys are busy. Yeah, no, it's been been amazing. And we thank those Kiwis for their support. Absolutely. Yes. Long may it continue. Quite. Yes. So today we've got another great episode lined up. We have Linda Keane from the Tourism Export Council on. And she's an incredible woman, isn't she? Isn't she a powerhouse? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yep. I think everyone love to hear the plans that they have and all that she has and the work that she's been doing a lot of the time behind the scenes and and while she's been an amazing communicator out to the industry it's just quite nice to hear it from her directly on what she's been working on the last 12 months absolutely and her passion for the industry is just is is phenomenal and that's what drives her right yeah Yep, no, that's cool. So did you have a nice Christmas break? We haven't even caught up since the holidays. Did you? <laughs> how was your do something new activity that you were about to do just before Christmas? So it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, that was the Doubtful Sound Overnighter uh, two nights with Real Journeys. I had an amazing time. Highly recommend it to anybody who's thought about doing it. Go do it. Absolutely. So I was very fortunate, Michelle, I had time off before Christmas because after Christmas it cranked in the yep. businesses and I was, I was needed operationally. So I had some downtime beforehand and I've just been running since. So how was yours though? You had a great family Christmas. We did. Yeah. We had three weeks up in the Coromandel and it was just wonderful. We talk a lot in my husband's family about this peninsula paralysis that sets in when you hit the Coromandel and it happened once again but it's nice because it was just a chance to switch off I think I read eight books eight yes once I get my head in a book you can't really get me out of it and yeah did I swam nearly every day in the ocean the sea was actually quite warm this year the weather was amazing we had two days of rain in three weeks wow so, yeah we were very very lucky it was very you did nice a lot of biking as well didn't you I didn't but John did the big Stony Bay to Fletcher Bay return rides so right. he'd done it four years ago and his memory of it was a little bit different to the reality this time so he's trying <laughs> to work out if something on the trail has changed <laughs> or he's just four years older and not quite as fit because yeah it sounded pretty I was kind of glad I didn't go <laughs> Great job, though. I know, I know. He had a great day out. He took our niece, who's right into it as well. So they had a a great time. Awesome. Yes. Anyway, we better get on with the show and um, let everybody have a listen to Linda. And it was great to catch up with you. And we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, we'll do. Thanks, Michelle. Hello, Linda, and thanks for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to come and have a chat with us today on the Destinate NZ show. Ah, oh, Kia ora, Michelle. Kia ora, Chambers. Lovely to be here. Kia ora. 
Now, you're the CEO of the Tourism Export Council of New Zealand, which is the yes. voice for inbound tourism in New Zealand. Um, what a year we've just come out of. Um, so, but before we get going on that, did you manage to get away over Christmas and do something new? Oh, yes, I did. I was able to get away. Spent some time in Fakatane and Hamilton. Did I do something new? I did, but it's probably, I didn't pay to do it. I just went on a little road trip um, around Wellington to Eastbourne to find out where the ferry uh, departs and goes from. So nothing too uh, earth shattering. (laughs) It's a lovely part of Wellington down there, isn't it? It is, yes. So Linda, for our listeners, can you just explain what the main objectives of the Tourism Export Council are, please? Yep, sure. It's been this year in 2021, we are celebrating our 50th um, anniversary of being in operation. So even before 50 years, more, more than 50 years ago, a group of about 14 businesses that were bringing international visitors into New Zealand established an association uh, originally called the Inbound Tourist, Tour Operators Council. And so what these businesses do is they bring in international visitors on behalf of offshore tour wholesalers or or travel agents and then they develop the itineraries for their stay um, around New Zealand and connect with tourism businesses and suppliers. So it's a trade organisation and its only focus is on international visitors, not on domestic. We have allied members, tourism supply businesses, which include airlines, airports, rail, ferry, rental car agencies, coach and minivan, minivan rentals, hotel chains, holiday, holiday parks, all the accommodation spectrum, activity and attraction operators. So we have about, well, pre-COVID, 70 inbound to operators as members and about 240 tourism suppliers. And again, all these businesses have a very strong focus on international and we support each other. And obviously with COVID, inbound tourism was first hit and we will be the last to get back up and running again. But we, we act as an advocacy lobbying and organisation that supports international tourism. Mm. And you've done a fabulous job over the last 12 months. It can't have been easy. Now, you started in your role just prior to COVID hitting New Zealand. And I think it was only about a month before we went into level four lockdown. So can you tell us a little bit about what you were going through at that time as a new CEO (laughs) organization and how you, what you did, how you managed to get through and stay motivated? Yeah, it was pretty funny in one breath. Myself, Lisa Hopkins from Business Events Industry Aotearoa and Greg Forum from Air New Zealand, we all started our jobs on the 3rd of February and I'm sure we all thought, yay, great, international tourism is on a high. We're going to go into these organisations and help consolidate and, and look at continual growth. And then, hello, that's not the case at all. So for me, I I wouldn't say I was fortunate, but being presented with COVID and knowing immediately what the impact was going to be with the closure of the border and what it meant for our um, members and, and businesses, I did some work with Kaikoura after the earthquake, so mm-hmm. in managing natural disasters and crises, and I did the PR, comms and marketing for Kaikoura. So I kind of had a little bit of 
some thinking already about what might needed to be done, particularly mm-hmm. about communication and the important role that communication has, yeah. uh, whether it's at a national level, or whether it's at a more localised level. So for me, I kind of just shifted gears a little bit and then uh, mm-hmm. thought, right, what do our members need? Uh, what are the messages that we need to share with government? Who do we need to connect with uh, across you know, immigration, doc, our Ministry of Business Innovation, Unemployment, uh, the various ministers. So I kind of really developed a bit of a template very quickly as to what do we need to do uh, to ensure our voice is going to be heard with government and then what are, what are the needs going to be of our members. So for me, it wasn't a new thing, which that's why I feel like it was fortunate. I already had a little bit of experience with the thinking. But of course, it's just gone on and on and on. And my heart goes out to all our businesses that have built up these legacies for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 mm. years. Mm. And they've run amazing businesses, world-class attractions, fantastic inbound operators. And just because of no one's control, their businesses have are seriously facing are not being able to survive. So that's kind of been the focus that we've done. What's, what we have to do externally with the government and what do we need to do internally with our, our members and support them, even if it's just a phone call or a cup of tea or a glass of wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really hard and, and good on you for staying motivated and helping them through, Linda. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks. And, and I think well, something that's probably dear to you both, and it has been for our board as well, has been the mental health and wellbeing element hmm. and also... You know, when you have built up these businesses and and you've been awarded tourism uh, awards, business sustainability awards, and and then everything's kind of just stripped away back to its bare bones and you've had to make staff redundant that have been with you along that journey and building Mm -hmm. a business up. It's been really heartbreaking for employers. And, of course, on the converse side with employees losing their jobs. And so mental wellbeing, uh, we've been very mindful of and we did have a, a great webinar I can't remember what was it in May or July last year with Jackie Maguire yeah she was a amazing. clinical psychologist and and she just helped put a few things into context as well and we will revisit things with Jackie in the next month or two and have another webinar because uh, it's even post uh, PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder it's, it's not something that people understand that you can have without going to war Mm. most people uh, associate PTSD from the war days but it's any type of trauma or crisis and PTSD can can sneak up on uh, many people and probably through this holiday period it has because our bodies Mm. retain um, it holds on to adrenaline until you feel the crisis is over and and Mm. things have settled and calmed a bit and that hasn't happened for uh, our businesses that we support and I did say to our board in our December meeting don't be surprised if suddenly you get the actual flu or you feel a bit flat after the holiday period because trying to re-gear up and get some more energy and enthusiasm when everything's still so uncertain you know it's 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 not something to take lightly and it's definitely be kind to yourself and to others. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Linda, because I've, you know, even since I've been back, I've been back a week now at work and just chatting with a few of my clients and friends, I think there is an element of this 
flatness yeah. in all of us. And, yeah. and I think that's exactly what it is coming through and that we all ran on adrenaline last year going, okay, we've just got to get things done and we've got all yeah. these ideas and we're going to keep trying things. And then you come through a new year. And I, I don't think any of us were naive enough to think that the 1st of January would be this whole new world and everything yeah. would be righted. But it, yeah, I guess the reality of we're seeing the further outbreaks happen in Australia and it's great that we're on, I think, two days of zero cases. I haven't seen today's numbers, but it's promising that they're getting that under control. But it's as soon as you get a little bit of your hope up, it's yeah. taken away quite quickly. And yes, there That's is right. going around. And we probably were all hoping that things would settle around the world. Mm. And in fact, as the weeks have, have gone by, you know, the world is still a major oh. crisis. And yeah. uh, that the the way in which international visitors return to New Zealand. And I'm just finalising our forecast, actually, for our briefing paper for incoming ministers uh, today. And, you know, we've had to do three sets of forecasts, you know, one for the hopeful return of visitors by the 1st of October 2021. Mm -hmm. Look, we've all had our fingers crossed, hoping that's going to be the case, but we just don't know now. And then we've done another forecast for arrival back to the from the 1st of January 2022. So hopefully we can get quarter one visitors mm -hmm. uh, yeah. returned. And then also another forecast for return of visitors on the 1st of October 2022. And who would have oh, thought we'd be talking yeah. so far ahead when we might get visitors and international students back? Yeah, but, but that is the reality. And but nonetheless, that's a great feed into the next question because it has been great to see the announcement about a thousand international university students being allowed to come back into the country yes. so throughout this year. So what are the priorities that you'd like to see our government focusing on, Linda? I think to have a plan is a good starting point. And I know that many tourism organisations and even non-tourism business and economists um, and business people have constantly been saying to the government, what's the plan, what's the plan? Yeah. And there has been some frustration that we don't seem to have a plan for the return of international visitors yet. We completely understand and have supported the government's investment in stimulating domestic visitation. That's made a lot of sense and a lot of effort has gone into that. There's also been a lot of effort over the last six months go, uh, going into the Tourism Futures Task Force to look at the future of tourism and how that may look like from 2025 to 2015. But there hasn't been the same level of support and effort to go into looking at what's going to happen in the short term the, from you know 2021 through to 2025. So Tech's focus is actually going to be working on initiatives with government to try to get a plan in place for government to use as a reference point. Uh, so Tech is leading a project with International Airports, Tourism New Zealand, the Board of Airlines Representatives New Zealand, Business Events New Zealand. So all the key agencies in New Zealand that work with bringing in international visitors, uh, we are drafting an international tourism recovery plan. And we hope to present that through to all the government ministers and the relevant portfolios, you know, perhaps in February. We're still sort of just pulling that all together. 
So that's going to be one of the key initiatives that we will be doing, but also our priorities is looking at what additional help can government provide from a financial basis um, for the industry? So there's been this great support going in to stimulate domestic tourism. We feel it's now the time for that same effort and focus to go into international. Mm. So some of the initiatives include um, looking at get getting some of the strategic tourism asset loan funding for 26 inbounds converted to grants. We'd also like to lobby for operating grants for inbounds that weren't STAT recipients, but also for all transport accommodation operators that were not eligible for the strategic tourism assets funding round. Uh, and particularly because the transport and the accommodation sectors have been hugely impacted. You know, they have huge lease and fixed costs with fleets and, and, and licensing, apart from the managed isolation quarantine hotels, other accommodation sectors, they're really struggling to stay afloat. And there's also a whole lot of other activity and attraction businesses that weren't eligible or weren't successful with strategic asset funding. So we do feel that there's still a strong need for government if they wish to have the world-class visitor offering and proposition that we had pre-COVID still intact when we start to look at the changes in the world and international travel begins to uh, kick into gear again. We actually still need to manage our global reputation with our offshore markets and travellers that they'll still have a quality experience. So we do believe governments needs to provide some financial support. We'd also be lobbying for a tourism industry specific wage subsidy. Uh, it's critical we retain the IP and the experience of staff within the industry. For many years, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, they've always provided international marketing export grants for all export industries. For some reason, tourism has been excluded from that. Mm. You know, international tourism is an export sector. So we're going to do some work with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. That's a big thing that they do in Australia, isn't it? Yeah. I remember when I was working yeah. there back in the late 90s and we were able to apply for grants for marketing offshore and it yeah. was relatively easy to get. Yes, yes. Right. And they still have it. So we, we've also, yeah. also got to look at an equity perspective of what the Australian government is doing to regenerate tourism when their mm. border opens and, and what we are or are not doing because it's absolutely critical being a lot both of us being long-haul destinations if Australia opens before us and the message out there in the world is New Zealand's done such a great job but our border's still closed that prospective traveler and that agent are going to go well that's the shame okay instead of doing 15 days New Zealand 15 days Australia um, as an itinerary we'll just do 30 days Australia. So there's some yeah. real risk factors yeah. involved with how yep. we, we look ahead with our planning. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's a few other things that we'd like to do as well. We'll be lobbying the Department of Conservation for no concession fees for the first three years. This is because businesses aren't producing surpluses at the moment, you know, and, and they already have to pay down debt that they've taken on due to the survivability of their business. So we believe from a compliance cost point of view that, you know, the government needs to be kind to the mm. businesses that are going to help New Zealand's medium to longer term economic recovery. And the other thing that we will also talk with government about, and I know that TIA is, is also looking at this, 
is that at the moment there's millions of dollars in a bank account from the international visitor levy and electronic travel fee. I think there's over like $50 million sitting in a bank account just earning interest for uh, that revenue collected from the, for the 2019-2020 year. So we will be asking government, well, can you consider giving that to businesses that are in need? Yeah, that brought those customers over that paid that fee in the first place. Yeah, yes, exactly. And, and some interesting things came out of our Official Information Act request that the tech board took on. And so there were 308 staff applications totaling $448 million. And the tourism recovery package was $400 million. In my mind, I'm thinking, you could have given, if you'd given 80% of what those applicants had asked for, you would have hit the $400 million target. Mm. And that would have alleviated a lot of stress and anxiety that yep. has been built up through these last 12 months so yeah that was kind of an interesting discovery because there seems to have been simpler ways that that this could have been managed but unfortunately you know we have to work with what we've got now yeah and it's hindsight isn't it I guess at the time the intention was probably the right intention to get money paid out quickly to help businesses but you know early on in the piece I did my going rogue episode uh, on the podcast supporting the tourism inbound operators because there had been a real lack of financial support for them at the time and they are a critical piece in our strategic channel system Mm. and we needed them there and and I guess that did they did come out and offer loans to some of them and you've mentioned some of the other things that you'd like to see happen and I think they're really good ideas but I remember the minister at the time saying, we can't save every business. And if you are focused 100% on international, you either pivot or you die. Now, I sit here almost a year later and think there's not very many businesses that have died or closed down in that time, either on the supply side or the buying side. So that surely is testament to the fact that they are good businesses. They've been run very well. They have big reserves because a lot of the, they're not public companies, these inbound operators, they're family businesses. So the fact that they can continue to operate and albeit at a much reduced size to what they were but they're still in there working and taking inquiries and flying the flag for New Zealand is quite remarkable to me that there's so many still around yeah and I I think the intent has been because these are businesses that have a high level of business acumen and experience they've gone through the highs and the lows of all these other global crises obviously COVID is next level yeah um you know the most unprecedented event and before the impact you know reflects that but they really want to be there you mm. know and so they have stripped their businesses back to bare bones you know a business that might have had 40 staff now has four staff yeah. but we have to keep that pipeline open and they're so cognizant of the fact that there is demand from international travellers to come to New Zealand. And bookings on the system for the 21-22 season, they are there. They're also there for the 22-23 season. Yeah. So a lot of businesses haven't actually voluntarily gone into liquidation or closed their doors because they're hopeful. Mm. You know, they, yes. loved, they love their work, they love their staff, 
you know. And when you love what you do, you do it really well. Yeah. So the, there's this glimmer of hope, and and I think that's why they haven't closed their doors. They're bare bones. Yep. And if we can get visitors back by October 2021, uh, or Australia, because you know pretty much 50% of our business comes from Australia. That'll be a really good starting point and it'll help that survivability rate. If we don't get visitors back until 2022, that survivability story looks very, very yeah. different. Yeah. Because businesses have basically had 12 months of no income. Yeah. Can they do 18 months or 24 months? That is the question. I don't think so. And yeah. I think the fact that they've been able to demonstrate, and yes, a lot of them would have had the wage subsidy and that was great, but the fact that these businesses have been able to continue operating post the wage subsidy with yep. still zero revenue, and some of them have dabbled in the domestic market, but we know the domestic market doesn't use agents as much to travel surely that's a signal to government that if you back this horse these are operators who will not squander your money you know you talked about their business acumen and and skill set that 50 million dollars would go such a long way to keeping that ip in place and having us ready to turn on the switch when the borders do reopen yeah yeah exactly and i think it's we need to protect particularly with the inbounds, because they then bring the business into the tourism suppliers. Yep. Uh, we need to protect, we need to give them a lifeline to protect the pipeline because visitors will come back, you know, mm. and, it's, and it's great to be dreaming about the future, but we still need this focus on what's going to happen in the next one to three years. Yep. Yeah. So Linda, you've talked a lot about tourism recovery plan. Can you tell us a little bit about this and your thinking about around how this might work over the next couple of years? Yeah, so with a recovery plan and from the input that I've had from the organisations feeding into it, we're going to end up providing a little bit of a summary to government on um, is your business ready to, so let's use Auckland International Airport or Christchurch International Airport or Air New Zealand as, as some examples. Is your business ready uh, to welcome the return of international visitors, yes or no? Obviously, the answer is going to be yes. What have you put in place within your business from yeah. a staffing level, a health and safety level, a COVID-19 health and safety uh, protocols that you've implemented? You know, What have you done to demonstrate that your business is ready to uh, welcome the return? And so we're going to end up with a little bit of a a summary table across nine or 10 different organisations that then we can present to government and say, all of these businesses are ready. You know, we have looked at international health and safety protocols. So, for example, Tech has developed something called a tourism trade checklist. It's a replica of what the Australian Tourism Export Council has. And this is an online platform that allows a business to load up their COVID health and safety plan. And uh, once tech has uh, done a bit of a review of that, and all these plans have to meet the requirements of uh, New Zealand's Ministry of Health uh, protocols, what those basic needs are, and also with the World Travel and Tourism Council. And so once we've reviewed those plans, and this, this is for any business, including restaurants, wineries, breweries, activity attractions, accommodation, transport, then uh, you will get a, a COVID-ready badge 
and a World Travel and Tourism Council safety mark badge that you can use in all your comms. And it's we it's really important for us to mirror Australia in this respect that when both of us open our borders up, we can demonstrate beforehand to all our offshore agents and uh, prospective visitors, New Zealand is ready. You can come ha and have a safe travel experience. And so we're looking at all these different protocols that need to go in place. So that's text one, but also airports have done some. You know, Air New Zealand will have specific ones that they work through with, you know, IATA, the International Airlines and Travel Association. And so it's really going to be a document that says government we are ready this is how you can help mm. and lead times you know ultimately we know long-haul visitors book 12 to 24 months in advance uh, we need some intention dates and the lead time really is probably a minimum of three months if you think of international airlines that have to upgauge their fleet regear them uh, you know, bring some of the longer haul-bodied airplanes back from the deserts where they're just in hibernation and in a, a safe place. So the intention date needs to be able to give us some breathing time to then prepare and go out to market. It's going to be of no use if the government says to us one week's notice, uh, the border is open. We have to do this in a well-managed and planned way, and that's really what our plan is all about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Hey, now you've mentioned that this is a pretty special year for tech with 50 years celebration. That's, I mean, that's a huge achievement for a membership organisation and particularly in the climate that we're in. But tell us what you've got planned to celebrate. Oh, that's still a little bit top secret, Michelle. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> So we've got a, the conference is going to be in New Plymouth yeah. um, on the 4th and 5th of August this year. And the conference committee is going to meet a little bit later this month to talk about the nitty gritties and, and what will happen um, behind the scenes. Uh, we are hoping to have, you know, Tech's really well known for its costume uh, dress up type. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so one, one thing that we're, we're pretty keen that we'll go ahead with is to have a MASH event, you know, a Medical Army Supply Hospital, a TV series that used to be on TV based on the Korean War, because I can see some wonderful costumes that would come out from that. But also, you know, it's an emergency hospital, it's triage. And when we think about everything that international tourism business has been through, it seems appropriate to have a little bit of a medical hospital survival type of theme. So that's pretty much all I can say. Okay. But <laughs> exciting. You know, how our guest speakers will be, we're very conscious of budgets. You know, a yeah. lot of people that have worked with trade, they've been made redundant. So we're very cognizant of the fact that we've had a two-day conference in the oh, two-day, two-night, three, two-and-a-half-day conference in the past. Yep. We might have to reshape that a bit to make it a one-night, two-day conference. Yeah, so we'll probably have a little bit more detail to share about that perhaps next month or after the next board meeting. 
Cool. That sounds exciting. And yes, the costume parties are a little bit legendary at Tech, I have to yeah. say, having participated in many of them through the years. <laughs> and the costumes are quite legendary too. Oh, yes. yes. One of those conferences that you don't not want to get involved because 98% of people go, they don't just get dressed up, they go over the top with yeah. their costumes and literally start planning as soon as they know the, the theme. So it's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. And whether we know if the, if the board will be open by then or like in 2021 or 2022, I think we still all need to have some downtime, some relaxed time. And Yes, definitely. You can't beat face-to-face. No, you can't. And we've seen that, right? We've seen that with the symposium and, yeah. and how important that was to reconnect and, and support and celebrate each other. Yep. Okay, so uh, Linda, now Destinate. NZ and my company, Infly, are both members of the Tourism Export Council. So we're very much looking forward to the conference in New Plymouth. But how can our listeners who might not be members get involved with this and reach out and find more information? Well, they can, if there are a lot of tourism suppliers or smaller inbounds that know of tech but sort of haven't really taken the step to become a member or explore things a bit further, they can go on to our website, which is Tourism Export Council, all one word, .org.nz, and just have a little bit of, of a look at that. Talk to another member. Phone myself or Louisa up. All those contact details are on the website. It's kind of interesting because we are very happy with our retention level of members. Uh, we retained about 70% of our inbound members and about 75, 78% of our um, supplier members. And the feedback has been, and we've gained a few new members too. We the feedback seems to be they've really appreciated the comms and the different approach that we've taken with our newsletters and our updates um, and some of the thinking that's gone on behind that. So again, if, if there are some listeners that, that haven't really been too sure about what we do and, and how we're helping to fill a void with hopefully good content, um, there's a newsletter section on the website as well. So they may like to have a look at some of the past newsletters that were posted up and just to see if the tone and the content is something that they would really like to be kept up, up to date with. Um, but yeah, definitely jump on the phone, send us a Zoom link, have a chat. Uh, very happy to talk with more people about that. Cool. That's, That's great. Awesome. And as a wider industry, is there anything else that we could be doing as an industry to support the efforts of tech? I I think, you know, certainly in a crisis, there are a lot of commonalities that happen. And when I look at all the businesses and national associations that we're working with, and it includes Education New Zealand, Barnes, you know, the Board of Airlines um, representatives, New Zealand, some of these are agencies that tech would never have, uh, have talked or engaged with in the past. And when I look at TIA, you know, New Zealand Cruise, SINs, or the new business events industry, Aotearoa, Bus and Coach Association, regional tourism organisations, uh, New Zealand Māori Tourism. If anything, there's probably a lot more collegial and supportive level of engagement that we probably didn't have pre-COVID. So I actually think the engagement and the support ha- has improved uh, enormously, and I think that will continue. But 
probably having similar voices. We're allowed to disagree or not completely agree on some issues. Mm-hmm. The key messages for government, we need to be quite unified to ensure that it, the message doesn't get diluted amongst all the ministries. Yes. So even yeah. as an example of that, you know, in the past, tech's really only engaged with the Ministry of Tourism. Mm. So we've, we've, sorry, the Minister of Tourism. Yep. And we know that we have a relationship with DOC, but we've kind of kept immigration to the side. New Zealand Trade and Enterprise comes under the Minister of uh, Trade and Growth. For inbounds, there's a GST issue with the Minister of Revenue, Business, Regional Economic Development. So we're changing our approach a little bit instead of just focusing on who tech is, what we do, and how we can bring value to New Zealand's economy and communities, not just with the Minister of Tourism. We're kind of trying to spread the message out to help raise that education and awareness Mm, that's awesome it's great that you guys are all collaborating together all those industry bodies and and I think that's a great approach Linda so yeah my fingers are crossed for you thanks I think if you were to ask me what was a goal that I had last year that I didn't achieve Mm -hmm. it would have been not being able to get grants for, for inbounds obviously not all inbounds but for some inbounds what is my goal for this year that I would like to achieve I would really like to achieve some funding in a grant capacity for inbounds and all the other members that we have uh, across accommodation, transport and activities to get some level of support for them. Like in my mind, that's a personal goal that I would like that reflects professionally because you know, we've got a strategic plan process that we started. I think, Michelle, you're on the board at the time, yeah. <laughs> probably 18 months ago, and, and yeah. that got put on hold. You know, it just simply had to get put on hold as we mm. had to adapt and, and focus on things more immediate. Uh, is a strategic plan still important? Well, yes, it is. But again, they, there's such a constant changing environment that we're really only going to be able to look out three to five years, not 10 to 20 years because everything's been turned on its head but yeah and 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 retaining membership and still providing value and benefit for members you know that's another goal that I would have because we've been around 50 years it would be such a shame because of this event that tech was uh, no longer an organization supporting businesses and and I think we've got the the right things in place that we will remain to be here yep yeah right but that's thanks to our members so thank you to all those (laughs) listeners out there exactly Thank you. Now, some of our listeners may not know that you're a twin and you have a sister, Leslie, who yeah. a, lot of us know, <laughs> a lot of us know and love. And she actually spent some time as CEO of Tech as well as, as well a few years ago. So how did that come about and how have you found your careers mirroring each other previously? Oh, that is a great question. So when we left school, Leslie had UE and I didn't. And so she was going to go off to university. And so I had school certificate. I don't know what that version is in in this current education environment. But I went to the Wairaki Polytechnic to do a hotel reception course. And then when I left, my first job was at THC Milford Sound. At the the time, the government owned a hotel chain. And Leslie decided not to go to university. So then she came and was a housemaid at Milford. And uh, then we went to Franz Joseph. Uh, and then we kind of just kept doing this work in the hotel industry. And then I left that. And then I went to go and teach at Wairaki Polytechnic. And then Leslie 
uh, you know, a year or two later, I was in Rotorua and she was in Whakatane. Uh, she said, do you mind, there's a teaching job at Wariki Polytechnic for their tourism and hospitality course. Do you mind if I follow you again? <laughs> and, and I become a tutor. I said, yeah, no, nah, go for it, you know. And then it's been quite funny that then Leslie was the CA at TAC from 2011 to 2017, I think. And so when this job came up, it was me saying to her this time, oh, do you mind <laughs> the job that you had before? We can't help but we like the same things and that we have similar but different interests uh, in tourism. And we just think if there's a skill match with what the job requires, then it, it doesn't matter that she's been in the role before. She laid a great foundation for me. That's yeah. all I can say. She did. Yes, she absolutely did. I was on the board for a lot of Leslie's time as CEO and, and she was great fun. And as are you, and you both do wonderful jobs. And although you're quite, you look the same, <laughs> but you are quite different personalities as well. So, and it's great, yeah. the different skill sets that you bring and you really complement each other. Yeah. So I'm a bit shyer than Leslie. So even you don't through, have as many nightcaps either. No, I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> so when I was interviewed uh, for the role uh, with the board panel, and I said, look, we are the same, but we're also very different. And she's a lot more outgoing. Like, I'm outgoing and I do, and Elisa knows this from our time at, in, in our St. Tasman region. I, I do my job and I love it and I'm passionate and everything. Uh, but inherently, I'm a bit shyer than what Leslie is. She's a little bit more uh, outgoing. Uh, but I said to the board panel that we're the same, but we're different. Here's an analogy. When we were in a school play, Leslie was the buzzy bee, uh, and I was the quiet princess. <laughs> I am a bit quieter than her, but uh, we'll talk and voice my uh, opinion uh, for what's best uh, for all our members and, and the work that I enjoy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, awesome. Now, Linda, we're coming to the end of our little interview with you. So uh, normally, you, I think you've heard a couple of our previous episodes with our quick fire round. So I've got yes. a few questions just to fire at you and whatever pops into your head first is, is fine. So it's just okay. a chance for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. And you've already answered one of them, so I'll have to take that off. <laughs> so are you ready? Sure, go for it. Okay, North Island or South Island? South for love, north for home. <laughs> love scenery. Right. Um, south. I'll have to be firm, yep. south. Okay. Lake or ocean? Lake. Hiking or swimming? Hiking. Gin or wine? <laughs> wine. <laughs> What's your favourite place in New Zealand? Fjordland, Milford, Milford Sound. Milford yep. Sound. It was my very first job. I thought I had hopped on the wrong plane and I was flying into Austria or Germany as, <laughs> as a 17-year-old girl going down to the depths of, of oh, yeah. South Island. Would have been amazing. Hmm. What's your favourite place in the world? I'm going to say Egypt as a place that I would go back and visit again. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Apart from New Zealand, of course. Yeah, yeah. Haven't had that on our list previously, so that's good. Yeah. Now, what's one thing that's on your do something new list for this year that you want to tick off? 
I think I'd like to do the root burn walk. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I've done Milford Sound. I've done Abel Tasman lots. Uh, but, yeah, I think I'd like to go and do that one. Yeah. Perfect. And you mentioned a work thing that was on your list for 2021 that you really wanted to get done. But what's something on your personal list for Ooh. 2021 that you really want to get done? Okay, so those that, that have known me for a wee while know, know that I've published a novel. It's a secret agent spy thriller novel. And yeah. I self-published that on Amazon and Kindle in 2012. Mm-hmm. It's actually a trilogy. Oh, wow. But I haven't started book two and book three. So if I get some downtime in 2021, I'd like to perhaps spend some quiet time uh, starting to, to scope those novels out. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. I didn't know that. Well, I think you might have told me, actually. I'm just trying to think, but yeah, maybe I did. How have you not read it yet? Well, well now I've got a Kindle. So um, are you published under your own name? Uh, yes, I'm published under L.A. King. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's so people don't get discriminated whether you're a female or male writer. And yes. the name of the novel is called Double Agent. Okay. I'm going to go and download that. Perfect. So, Linda, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know that you're really busy. And just from the industry, a big thank you to you because you've worked tirelessly over the last 12 months being our voice inside government and in you know as, as, from a wider industry perspective liaising with all of those other organizations that you mentioned so huge thank you hopefully this year will settle down a little bit and we start to see that plan fall into place or at least be talked about <laughs> would be nice from the government we get some borders open for your members yeah oh look thanks michelle um thanks lisa Thank you for, for Destiny NZ doing the podcast. I think this is a, an amazing channel uh, to get more insights from people with different experiences on the industry. And I enjoy enjoy my work because I feel like it's adding, adding value. And so thank you to all those listeners that have supported us. And let's hope 2021 is going to offer some green shoots for us uh, later in the year. Yes, yeah. definitely. Lovely. Okay, well, thanks very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, cheers. Well, that brings us to the end of another great episode. So, we really hope you enjoyed listening to Linda Keane from the Tourism Export Council. We'll pop those details for tech in the episode notes. So, if you do want to get hold of her, that will absolutely be possible. But in the meantime, thank you once again for listening in. The feedback that's coming in is phenomenal. So it keeps us going. Thank you for that. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and basically everywhere else or just destinatenz.com on our website. So come along, follow us, hit the like button, and you'll never miss an episode. So don't forget, if you're also listening in on Apple, please leave us a five-star review because that just helps people find us and share with your friends because there are some really really good conversations happening with some of our favorite tourism people and we want to make sure that everyone gets to listen so until next week kakite